Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is Deacon John and my uh, good friend, Joe Doman. We're down in the basement these last few weeks. Ever since my injury, we moved from the treehouse, third floor, down to the basement. But we got kind of a special introduction here today. We got You guys want to introduce yourselves real quick? Sure. Uh, I'm Joe O'Sullivan. I'm from uh, Denver. I know these guys. I was in a Bible study with John Neppel when I was in high school, and then I entered seminary uh, two years ago. So that's where I am now in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. And my name is Stefan Sylvester. I'm a third-year philosophy seminarian at SJV as well. I'm on the same floor as Joe, and that's pretty much the only connection I have with everyone here. Excellent. Now, these guys are back in town um, because they're on spring break, but they're at the college seminary up in Minnesota, which we call uh, affectionately Jack Jr. because it's um, St. John Vianney College Seminary versus St. John Vianney Theological Seminary. So these guys are back in town for the week, but they are our brother seminarians uh, studying at, at a college level. And, uh, well, I should say Stefan is from Mobile, Alabama, so don't be confused by the lack of an accent. So but before we begin, and Joe doesn't have a mic right now, which is actually, this is kind of nice. We should do this more often, don't you think? Uh, whatever. Whatever, he says. So um, you want to tell everybody hello from, Joe will be on in just a minute. Holler. Holler. The uh, That was pretty yeah. special. Yeah. The Joe will be actually be doing the podcast here, but we want to give these guys a quick moment to just uh, answer a question for us. The uh, the question I have is, what the heck is a 19-year-old guy and a 20-year-old guy doing uh, studying to be priests? You, you know, old guys like us in our late 20s, uh, that's that's understandable. You know, their their bodies are falling apart. They, they can't even ski anymore. And, uh, you know, the, that they start to look towards death. And so maybe they think about being a priest. But you young bucks, uh, what are you guys doing? Um, and uh, and what, what led you into making such a radical choice at such a young age? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I think some days we don't really know what we're doing, but um, I could just say that I think every young person wants to do something great. And so looking at seminary, um, I think that I just wanted to do something that was bigger than myself. And uh, seminary and the priesthood was a was a chance for me to do that. So, Excellent. Very good. Joe has been well-trained. Yeah, for three years he had to sit through my Bible studies, and so that was a very good answer. Good job. All right, Stefan, how about you? <laughs> Well, John, like you said, I'm from uh, Mobile, Alabama, and I don't have an accent. And what uh, what led me into seminary was the idea that you know I, I wanted to I wanted to give myself to something just completely because that's something that I learned from my dad and kind of got passed on to me from my parents is just wanting to to give myself to something 100. percent And I didn't really think about priesthood until I was um, through a year of college, and then once I did, kind of start to think about it, then I felt the Lord leading me in that direction. So I said. Well, this is something I could give myself to 100%. So, uh, yeah. Here you are. You're in seminary. And I, I think it's worth uh, noting these guys are staying with us for a couple of days, but uh, Stefan has been a daily communicant for about tw- uh, 12 years, 10 years, something like that. 10 or 12, I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. So, I mean, just growing up in a family uh, where daily mass was practiced and the Eucharist was received, it disposed you to uh, want to be radical to the Lord. A lot of times we think of, you know, these guys, they just randomly make decisions, but it's actually years and years of prayer and being formed in the sacraments, it seems like, for your life. And then for Joe, it was just this kind of amazing Bible study where every single week this guy was just bestowing the wisdom of, I mean, it's just like, how is this possible that one person could assimilate so much of the truth in himself? And then, oh, sorry, oh, sorry, okay, that was about me. So just joking. But uh, it's great to have you guys with us. Um, and uh, that was a long 
a bizarre introduction to the Filioque controversy, which now Joe will take over. Thanks again, guys. Uh, great to have you with us, and um, Thank you, thanks yeah, for listening as well. Answer. It's good to have podcast listeners on the... Uh, it is pretty fun. So... Well, hi, Joe. Hey there, John. You got your hat on. I do. Stop making fun of it. I didn't make fun of you're it. Making, I just, you're I just, making fun of it with your eyes. I just noted that you're wearing your little leprechaun hat today. So St. Patty's Day was over about a week ago. Well, at the seminary, we're uh, performing a play this week, and I am one of the leads. It's a Sherlock Holmes Which play. Which lead are you? I'm Watson. 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 So we're going to do this in a British accent. Oh, wouldn't that be excellent? <laughs> Have you? Are you really going to do it in a British accent this weekend? Yes. Wow, that's impressive. I even have a CD that Scott Bailey, the director, uh, gave to me. So, And it's about how to speak with a British accent. And they talk about Americans speaking with their voice in the back of their mouth like this. But the British, they speak on their teeth like this. On their teeth. Everything's up here. So Very good. Well, I was a uh, French Jewish psychologist in the play last year. But I, I didn't even attempt the French accent. So I, I give you I give you some yeah, props you just, for that. Man. You, just, you just did the angry accent. For the I just part. yelled a lot. Yeah. <laughs> The last year's play was a uh, an Arthur Miller play called The Incident of Vici, but I was uh, a little more stressed out. John did a great job. I was, was about to was... be taken to a concentration camp, okay? You know, I'm, I was a little angry, but uh, very excited to watch the play. We're going to watch the dress rehearsal tonight. Yeah, it's, but... it's funny. Most of us have never... I mean, did you, were you ever in a play before last year? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, Joe. Sixth grade, uh, Bob Cratchit in The Christmas Carol. Bob Cratchit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Carrying around Tiny Tim. I carried around. Well, how, how did that work? I think there was like a little first grader they threw up on my shoulder, or <laughs> something funny like that. That's awesome. I was a, I was a, I was in Midsummer Night's Dream, oh, Midsummer's yeah. Night Dream. In my freshman year, I was like a, like an imp dancing around in the back of like a cast of like two hundred high school kids. And that prepared you for greatness today. That did. So. I was a fairy, actually, a fairy. Yeah, to be specific. <laughs> so. And they still let you into seminary. That's impressive. I know. I don't. That's not in my file. So okay, let's make sure that doesn't get there. To the topic. What are we talking about? I thought we were just talking about our acting experience and <laughs> yeah, the high schoolers of... turned seminarians. No, uh, we're not. We're talking about the Holy Spirit and the inter-Trinitarian life today, specifically. We're talking about the filioque controversy. Yes. So this is interesting because I think most Roman Catholics have no idea what what I mean when I say filioque controversy. Right. In fact, I did a little experiment uh, a couple weeks ago just asking um, a few of my sisters... I just I, I was talking to them on the phone and I just said, "Hey, I have a theological question for you." And I said, "What do you?" You better be careful because they listen to this. Podcast. I know, I know. They, they, they didn't. Get, they gave great answers. In fact, what I probably would have given before I took, before I started studying this class um, on the filioque. But I asked them. So when we say in the creed that the Holy Spirit, you know, the Lord, the Giver of Life, we say He proceeds from the Father and the Son. What is what does that even mean to you? Like as a, just a Catholic, and then these are devout. Religious, church-going, uh, even have studied theology a little bit, right. Catholics. Um, and I was just, what are, you know, what does that mean to you when we say the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son? And they both kind of just sat and thought for a second, and they're like, well, you know, I've always kind of imagined it like uh, the like the Holy Spirit's kind of like the love between the Father and the Son. They're like, oh, is that right? I, mean, I don't know. And they, they haven't really, they don't know how to articulate it. Um, but there's like... There's some sort of union in God uh, between three persons, and it's so much that it's one God, and and the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Father and Son is just like He's He's the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, and the Holy Spirit is the love. This is a, a perilous topic theologically. It's so easy to just oh boop, yeah, it's drop a, exactly off drop off the edge. And so I'm like yes and no, and no like because that's time. really I mean and, and what that image is from that's actually from Saint Augustine. So you're not you're in good company if you if that's 
the terminology and the image. So wait a second, that comes from Augustine. That the Augustine said the Holy Spirit is the love, the love between okay, the Father. Because I was and the teaching son. people that like three days ago. That's just Augustine. Wait, what? I was I was explaining the Holy Spirit to people a couple days ago. Oh, you use that image. So it's not just your sister. No, no, no. Yeah, it's that's, also that's exactly. I think that's kind of like the. I, I would have said the same thing. I didn't know who it was from, um, but I've heard that, you know, and I think that's kind of in a lot of, you know, maybe in our circles of Catholicism, right, uh, that's right. kind of the image that comes to mind, And that, but that's that's part of our heritage. That's right. part of the Latin. And it's not just your sisters and me who are confused on this. This is especially for Father Mike Rapp, who's been begging us for six months <laughs> out in Craig. He's got some uh, youth group kids, and they were asking about this stuff, and he needed some backup. So we're sending him backup here. So... Go ahead. Exactly. So before we be going deep into this, one thing to realize is language is a difficult thing when you're talking about God. I mean, like, John, I want you to describe to me how coffee tastes in, like, you know, a few sentences. Well, this coffee tastes burnt because the guys... Burnt. With. Burnt. Like like fire? Like uh, wood? No. Well, like, it was, like, yeah, burning at some point. So See, now it's cold because I put too much milk in it. But what, describe the taste of coffee in general. Hmm. Well, it's it's kind of uh, smooth because it's Dunkin' Donuts smooth. coffee. Smooth, smooth like a like a bowling alley. See, smooth? Okay, I could get your point. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we this can't. Even, we we I can't. like having an audience who laughs. That's good. <laughs> we can't even describe how coffee tastes, and yet with our language, we're trying to describe how God works, right. who is transcends our language, transcends not only our language but our ideas of what he's. You know, it's like that whole apophatic, cataphatic thing. Cataphatic is what we can say about God. We talked about this on the podcast. Yes, you, 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 you talk about subjects like again and again and again. So this is one of those that you talked about a few <laughs> We times. said we weren't going to talk about that today. <laughs> um, yeah. But apophaticism is this whole idea. Once you say something about God, you have to go ahead and say the opposite. Like you say God is beautiful. That's the cataphatic statement. The apophatic would be God is not beautiful. Right. And we say that because just to keep in mind that he is beyond what we can say about him. Like he, our idea of beauty is is he's more dissimilar to our idea of beauty than similar to? Okay, it. no more on that because that's anyway. gonna be a separate podcast. Okay, you're go taking my next podcast. Sorry, all right. All right. Stay on the filio. <laughs> You've already done it three times. Um, Filioque uh, controversy. So language is difficult. We can't we can't apprehend God right uh, with our language. Right. We just can't. Our that's language cannot art- fully exhaust God's mysterious being. Exactly. However, God has revealed Himself in Jesus Christ two thousand years ago, more or less. More actually, or less, two thousand years ago, and uh, and we have to say something about that. And ever since Christ has come and ascended, the church and those who have been left uh, and with the the care of the church have struggled to articulate the mystery and and proclaim the gospel that they've received from Christ uh, to the world and to one another. You know, they have this experience of Christ and they know that it's real, but. What? Who exactly is Jesus? Who exactly? We talk about the Holy Spirit. We pray. He says, "Baptize in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit." But is the Holy Spirit God? Is Jesus God? Is the Father God? Are they all God? But I thought there's only one God because that's what we got from Judaism. Right. Like there's 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 a struggle, and it's not like. A, and some people have this idea of the church. You know, the church is like every few hundred years we just kind of make up some new doctrine. You know, like we. You know, we used to just have, like, the Bible and Jesus, and now we have, like, Mary, and now we have, like, you know, all these devotions and all these things that we've just been adding on, and, you know, Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. That's not in the Bible, you know, like, um, but that's that's a misunderstanding of how this whole Revelation Christianity thing works. We've been given, we've been passed on a life, the Christian right. life, um, and it's not like we make up things as we go, but we've been given the whole of life, but as we've gone through the centuries... There have been some people to come along 
who say things that are off. Right. Like Air, we talked about, or you and Mike uh, Rap talked about Arius, uh, you know, a year ago or whatever. Right. And Arius was some guy who came along and said, you know, I've been reading the Bible. I don't think Jesus is God. And he started teaching people that Jesus wasn't God. He was a little less than God. He was a great, a superhuman being or something, um, inspired by the Logos, but not God. Um, and so the church is forced to articulate things in a more profound and specific way, in a way that she hadn't had to before. And and so each each time the church has said something definitive, it's usually to combat somebody who's jumping off the cliff. And so the church is putting up these boundaries and these fences on the side of the cliff so people don't... Does that make any sense? Yes. All right, so... Uh, so that's that's this filioque thing kind of rises out of that. So, okay, quick uh, history lesson, I guess. Arius was in the fourth century um, after the Arian controversy. Him saying that Jesus isn't God. They had a council. They got together in three twenty five, and they end up, you know, deposing Arius. Arius got slapped by Saint Nicholas, and mm-hmm. they said Jesus, the Son, is homoousian with the Father. He's he's one substance with the right. Father. Um, and then after the after that council, that was the Council of Nicaea. There's all this confusion about what that meant. So is Jesus and the Father the same thing? It's just a different like mask he put on, and who's the Holy Spirit really? And there's all this confusion. So 381, they had another council, uh, Constantinople, the first one in Constantinople, where they defined a few more things uh, because heretics were kind of going crazy. Arianism wasn't really dead, and the other extreme of modalism, which is pretty much saying Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are just three masks that one God puts on, but they're not really different. Um, so that was one heresy. That was on the other side. And so Constantinople is this council to say, um, to say, you know, to combat that. So anyway, um, the result of that 381 council was what we know today as the Nicene Creed. We say this every Sunday at Mass, every Catholic does. I believe in the God, the Father Almighty. Um, and it goes all the way through. And that's the creed that has, and in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, with the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. Okay. Now you'll notice when I just said that, I didn't say he proceeds from, from the, the Father, Father and the, and the Son. Son. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. That's in the Creed of Nicaea. That's in the Creed of Nicaea. That's 381. But that's not what I prayed on Sunday. Exactly. What did you pray on Sunday? He proceeds from the Father and the Son. Exactly. So where did this, we say, and most Catholics in this podcast would probably be like, wait, so the first Creed didn't have Father and the Son, it just had the Father? And at some point, we added and the Son. Um, And this is this is the contrary, the filioque. In Latin, that technically literally means and the Son. Uh, so the filioque, the and the son that we added in the creed, what's the deal with that? And we're just going to talk about the mess it kind of created as far as the unity of the entire church. Right. Now, from the onset, can we say, Joe, and I may be jumping ahead here, that uh, this is a linguistic problem and not a theological problem. What What happened was not a theological error. It wasn't a doctrinal error. It was a, a linguistic error and a linguistic misunderstanding. Is that correct to say that about the filioque? Country? Well, yes and no. It's it's it is a theological issue, um, and there are theological misunderstandings of this. But the issues are exacerbated because of the linguistics surrounding it. Okay. Uh, and there's a real difference between the Latin and the Greek. Okay. So Big that's time. the basic problem: is that the con- the Creed of con- of Nicaea was originally in the Greek, and it was translated into the West into the Latin. So it would have been ekporetha, is that right? Ek, yeah, exactly. Translated into uh, uh, prochedere, Proche- prochedere, which is more like proceed, mm-hmm. like comes forth out of, but comes forth from. But ek, the Greek is more like out, uh, coming out of ones. The Greek, okay, we'll, we'll go into that in a second. Um, so I the uh, language, man, I love. The I language. will. We're, we're going to go into language in a second we, we gotta, because the understanding. The <laughs> this is good. So the understanding of uh, the church 
that's what the creed said the creed said he proceeds and this is the creeds all in greek originally right. these are all greek guys talking um, in fact there wasn't anybody from rome there this is all a bunch of bishops got together started talking about this um and uh when they said uh proceeds from the father ekporuetai was the verb they used which means to come forth out of but ekporuetai has this connotation of like as an origin as like the font you yeah. know uh, has this, this idea of origin right. and when it was translated into latin procedere which means to come forth out of procedere doesn't come doesn't have this uh, idea of origin associated with it gotcha. in the Latin. So the Latin's like, oh yeah, he comes... He just, because what the orthodox understanding is, I mean, we have this language and the formulations, which are good and necessary, but we can't cling to the formulations because the formulations, what we say, actually points to a reality beyond that. And the reality that we understand, that wasn't really... <laughs> what, we what? Got a, what are you doing over there? Sorry. You got a bloody nose here. In the, in bloody, he has this a, is why we shouldn't have studio Exactly. Because he so. has like... T- a tissue hey, sticking welcome to, a foot and a half out of his nose. Welcome to life above above 5,000 feet, my friend. No, that's hilarious. Sorry, go ahead and get this humid, This we humid mobile make, boy. We had to make a note of that. Then. I know. That was pretty awesome. Okay, go ahead. Um, Sorry. Uh, where was I talking about? I think you were talking about the difference between... Oh, the, the sense. Okay, so the sense of what we actually believe. We believe that the Holy Spirit, that the Father is the sole source of the Godhead. I mean, and we use this language, it's limited because we're talking about eternal eternal begetting you know right. so the we say the son was eternally begotten so he was begotten from the father so when did that happen oh but eternally. he's it's eternally so it's kind of like try to get your mind around that one not going to happen so um we say that the the father is the source of both the father and the son okay. the, the the soul font the okay. beginning right um the spring from which they flow right right um but the so he begets the son and the holy spirit is begot is uh proceeds from the father as his origin through the son through the son and this is actually how it happens in the scriptures as far as the uh, economic to use the theological term economic revelation of the trinity meaning like when you know he's on earth and what he's doing as far as redemption is concerned you know the son is sent by the father and then the son breathes forth the holy spirit and but he says you know everything i have i've received from the father so the holy spirit he receives from the Father, and it, so the Holy Spirit comes forth from the Father through the Son. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I think back to this Trinity class. Uh, so in John chapter 15, I think it is, it's in the high priestly prayer somewhere uh, in John. I think it's 15. It explicitly says the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. Mm-hmm. That's it. And then in John chapter 21, Jesus breathes. He sends forth the Holy Spirit upon the apostles. So you have, like, the twofold thing happening. And then the language gets confusing, kind of in terms of. But that's the basic thing. What you're telling us is that he's he's from the Father, Father through, through the, the Son. Son. And this is what the Church. I mean, Saint Hilary said that in right. the third century. Uh, guys said that before. And East and West. Athanasius was saying this, and Alexandria, Egypt. You know, who's kind of a he's one of the only fathers that both the Eastern churches, the Orthodox, who are now not in communion with Rome, and the Roman Church, both kind of see as as their own tradition that's what we mean that's what everybody means but then the 11th century when it got added exactly it kind of made a mess so why did it get added yeah why are we throwing this in if it's not in the original creed so what happened is that it started we have we have this idea that everything uh as the church practices things now that's how it always was and it wasn't like people didn't even say the creed in mass for like the first thousand years of the church like that wasn't just a part of the liturgy you didn't say the creed you had the creed as like what you believed but people weren't saying it all the time but in Spain, which is like, you know, way west in Europe, there was all these Arians. Uh, Arians, the, again, the ones who were saying Jesus isn't God. And to, to um, counteract the heresy of the Arians, 
um, they wanted to say, no, the Son is God. In fact, the Son is God and one with the Father so much that he has a, he has, he participates in some form of the Holy Spirit's procession from the Father. And so they said, and, and, they kind of started teaching this with the creed. Uh, so the Holy it was a Spirit, response to Arianism. Exa- it was a response from the heresy. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so they'd say, you know, he's so much God that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son because he proceeds from the Father through the Son. Right. So the, but again, they said proceeds, meaning like procedere in Latin, which doesn't have this sort, this idea of origin. You right, know, it's just right. kind of like he comes forth from the Son and the Father together, as you know, as one. And I think the analogy that I think. Uh, Hillary used in the fourth century was, uh, you know, it's almost like the sun is the, or the father is like the sun and the sun is like the rays and the Holy Spirit is the light, you hmm. know, using the analogy with the, with the sun S U N. Um, so like the, the, the light proceeds from the sun and the rays, you hmm. know, just like the, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the father and the son, but the source is the father. Um, so anyway, that, that they started throwing this into the creed talking about it. Um, and this kind of spread throughout Europe because Arianism was influential everywhere. And so they started saying, they start teaching this filioque. This is from like the, I think the seventh century. So for, for a while back, they've been doing this. Um, but, and they try to start throwing in and asking the Pope if he wanted to do this in the creed. And the Pope would say, in fact, there was several Popes that were like, I can't, we're not, it is an Orthodox teaching that the Holy Spirit does proceed from the father and the son because he proceeds from the father through the son. Like that's Orthodox. That's not heresy. But the creed of 381 says proceeds from the father and, they had the Holy Spirit when they made that creed just as much as we do now. And they didn't add it, so we're not going to add it. And mm. this is the Pope. Pope Leo III said that. In fact, he even had like two shields put up in St. Peter's Basilica, Old St. Peter's, and one with the whole creed in Greek and one with the whole creed in Latin, the 381 creed, the one that just says, and the Father. And this is in the 10th century he's doing this. So he was like really definitive, like we're going to, this is this is the creed we both share, that both churches share. Um, but there were all these, there were all these, these, these pressures from both sides. What ended up happening is uh, there is um, in Bulgaria. So yeah, I, it's hard to do this without a map. But Bulgaria is kind of like a middle territory right. between the east and the west. Right. And these missionaries from both sides were there, evangelizing barbarians and stuff. And you know the western people were teaching the Holy Spirit proceeds in the Father and the Son. The eastern were teaching just from the Father because when they heard proceed, they heard ekporuitai, which means as an origin. Yeah. And so they had this idea when Easterns heard it, they were like. Oh, are you saying that like the sun's over here and the father's over here, and it's like with their powers combined, yeah. you have the Holy Spirit or something? <laughs> exactly, Happy and that's man. not what the West was teaching. The West was teaching no, the, the father through the son. Right. Um, that's what the, their understanding was. But they heard procedere. They thought ekpuruitai, which means they think both of them are they're like two origins. This stuff sounds so like theological, and why is this that much of a difference? Why is this really? Who cares? You know, why is it that big of a deal? But the deeper issues, I mean, that, that's kind of the theological issues, and really we're saying the same thing. So that's why I say there are heresies on the other side, um, and some some Orthodox Eastern not in communion with Rome would say, no, the, whole, the Father has no role in the Son's procession. I mean, I'm sorry, the Son has no role in the Holy Spirit's procession from the Father, you right. know? They would say he, it's not through the Son, and that's, but some, some Easterners would say that, but more kind of moderate ones, and the majority of them would say, we probably agree theologically. Right, the right. language is a difference. But the deeper issue now is authority. Right. Like, because that's really the issue. In in the 1054, uh, or I think it was like a little before that, the Pope uh, started inserted into the creed, right. uh, started using it in mass uh, because he saw it, this is part of our heritage. And, um, and 
there was a council between East and West after that. And I mean, not a council, but there were some legates from Rome who went to Constantinople, who was Constantinople was like the Rome of the East, I guess. It was Mm -hmm. kind of the head of the church. And they got in a big tiff about it, and the, the patriarch of Constantinople excommunicated the legates from Rome, and the legates from Rome excommunicated the archbishop or the bishop of Constantinople. So everybody's excommunicating each other, and it, that's when it kind of blew up in 1054. Right. Um, but it was all over this thing. But the real issue, and it still is the real issue, because this is still a disagreement, and there's dialogues and for the, ever since Vatican II. Vatican II is a real good turning point as far as, let's start talking about this. Let's try to resolve this. It's important that we're unified. It's important that we're one. Um and uh but uh and there's been good things in that direction sorry you're looking at your cl- clock making me oh wow look at yeah. this. look we got look at this go yeah roll it up but we should right, do cool. a, but this is really really good and this is a, an extremely difficult topic and you you handled it very well so I, i'm very impressed great Thank job you. um i think we can pick it up maybe another time uh and go into like cardinal umbert and the way that the whole uh great schism laid out Ooh. which is really juicy it's got some there crazy. you go so this is filioque part one filioque part one good more. job joe Stay let's tuned. hold off on uh emails but we'll be back next week yeah, but send us emails, any questions, comments, suggestions, uh, thoughts on Joe's hat, um, how, to, awesome. how to help uh, Stefan get rid of his bloody nose, these different things. Catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next week.